We have all been chosen to live a life of victory. This podcast is based around myself, Danny, and my husband, Jordan, bringing you a word about how you can live a life of victory. We are bringing you a fresh revelation from God to walk in the spirit of faith, living out the victory that has been set before you. Hey everyone, I hope y'all are having a great week. We're going to jump back into the Word this morning. And um, last week we talked about, started talking about covenant. And we were talking about David being aware of his covenant when he went into battle with Goliath. And David was always a covenant-minded man. He um, had strong understanding of what it meant to be in covenant and even though he lived in the times before Jesus came, he lived almost like a saved man because he was so aware of his covenant. We talked about um, when covenant was made um, in those days that they would actually cut their hands and they would bring their hands together. And that's how the term blood brothers came, that they would entangle their blood together um, or mix their blood together so deeply that you couldn't tell a difference between the two. And um, the reason they did that, it's it's like at a at a wedding when you see the sand ceremony, right? Mm-hmm. You can't ever take the sand apart. Yeah. You, and, and they used to do salt. And they would pour salt in both sides, and then you couldn't tell. With the sand, you begin to see the grains mixed together, and you can see the different parts together, but there's no way that you can... Um, separate them back into an individual status you're always going to have the little grains um, mixed together and so think of that liquid form with the blood covenant that's what happened it was one um, one person's blood with another person's blood mixed together and therefore their blood was forever entwined and um, this is so significant because It meant that my people are with your people and your people are with my people and we're never separating. Right. And everything you have, every um, strength that you have, every uh, weapon that you have, every person that you have will have my back. And every strength that I have and every weapon that I have and every person that I have will have your back. It was actually a a punishable offense um, uh, to death, I believe. Yeah. Um, when, you know, if someone did call on you and you had a blood covenant with them and you didn't show up, um, they could, they had the rights to, to kill you, to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the reason it says that is because you're creating that covenant. Covenant was always meant, um, it's got very willy nilly if, as time has went on well, and in, in Western the, culture. In the Western culture, yeah, it's like non-existent almost. Um, because we see times changing away from the truth of the word, away from the truth of things. And so it's become lighthearted, but covenant was a very serious thing. And it is a very serious thing to God. Um, he created covenant with Abraham. He created covenant, um, in the life of David. Mm -hmm. He created, he, he says, um, even in Kings when, when, 
kings are put into office when they are anointed for office, not or appointed for office in Kings, the Book of Kings. He says, and this is only for your father David, and it'll tell you. And this king should not be there. Basically, he was an evil king, but because of my promise to your father David, because of my promise to your father David, all the way from Solomon's son, because at the end of his kingship, Solomon turned from God. He tells when his son is being placed in office, even for your father David, because he had made a promise to David that he would not break. Yeah. There's nothing that can that could turn the situation from that. Right. And so we we begin to see um we begin to see that um throughout the Bible that the covenant that he has made with people, Elijah says, um, when He's speaking to God and and working with the false prophets. He says, according to the covenant or according to uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm -hmm. Because he's referring to that covenant. You promised this to my forefathers and I am am counting on that that covenant. And, And that's what we touched on last week also. We talked about the covenant of the United States of America. That covenant was made with our forefathers and as Christian... People, we cannot let go of that. That covenant did not go um, unnoticed by the Father, and it won't fail. It will not fail. Um, The covenant will come through in the United States of America, and we will be a nation who is united under one God. Um, I get so excited about it. There's so much. If you just go through and look um, in the Word about covenant, there is so much. And so the the story we're going to look at today is again about David. This is after he had um fought Goliath and this is now when he had um stepped into kingship. And David we're looking in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 9. This is probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um there's just so much good there, and I can see um, how God has manifested his promises in my life this way. And so, he, he David, has made a covenant with Jonathan. Jonathan is Saul, King Saul's son. And David and Jonathan were best friends, and they made a blood covenant together. The two of them together came together and exchanged covenant promises um, to the point that Jonathan was the one who helped David escape um, the, the king's house when Saul was looking to kill him because they had covenant together. Saul has now died. Jonathan has also now died. And David is seeking to show covenant kindness to someone in their family. Remember, this is still about covenant. So in verse 1 it says, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? That word kindness right there is, um, that is a very limited trans- translation. It It's the word hesed, kesed, um, it. It is a covenant word that means 
loving kindness, mercy, extending covenant grace. It means I, the greater, am wanting to perform and you, the lesser. It is the active approach of trying to to take the love of God in every weakness that uh, you have for my strength as, as the greater to come in and fulfill all of those things in my life. I want to move forward and press goodness in your life. I am knocking at the window trying to get in. Everything that I have wants to show you favor. Everything that I have wants to show you kindness. Everything that I have wants to show you goodness. That's just in that one word, kindness, right there. It is, uh, my notes say, covenant faithfulness. It is, I want to make all of the promises fulfilled in your life. And so David is seeking out someone he can show this to. I had a covenant with Jonathan that I would honor his sons. I would honor him all the days of his life. Is there not someone in this household that I can show this favor upon? And so he begins to search out and they tell him that there is a servant who was um, from the house of Saul. And so he goes and seeks him out. And so he goes and asks the servant, Ziba, is there not anyone who I can show kindness to? And Ziba tells him, indeed, verse 4, indeed, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. This word Lodabar is very significant to this story for you to understand what's totally going on. Lodabar was like the bottom of the barrel. It was like where the people who were downcast were the people who were um, outcast. A ghetto. Yeah, that's probably... It was It was where... Um, it's not complimentary. It was where those who... Um, who meddled in things that weren't good, those who those who operated in bottom-of-the-barrel task, if you will, those were the folks who were in this place. It was a place of no hope and a place of desolation. It was where people went when they didn't think that they were going to have any chance of coming out of there. And we've seen people like that in our lives. We've seen people who get in a cycle of, of they go... They go to a low place and they just res, uh, recircle back into that same low place. And it looks like there's no hope. There's no way to get out. There's nothing coming out. And then the king, the highest order in this time, the highest place you could get in this time, of course, not higher than God, but in the natural realm, he was the highest person of the land, sought after him. And went to this place of no hope. And went to this place of desolation. And um, Mephibosheth is who he found. The son of Jonathan. And Mephibosheth was here because his nanny, when they were running away from the house, they thought that they were all going to be killed. And so the nanny picked him up and was running from the house and as she was running, she dropped Mephibosheth and broke, uh, well, she didn't break them, but it broke both of his legs as a yeah. child. He was about five years old. And and in those times, if you weren't able to use your legs, you weren't able to work. Yeah. 
and therefore you were deemed worthless. There weren't many desk jobs. Right. <laughs> and so he he went to this place for several reasons. One, the the throne of his grandfather had been totally overturned and he thought that David wanted revenge. He lost his father in battle and so he was also fatherless. He also was unable to work and he was unable to see worth within himself. And so he goes to this place and the king seeks him out and he is afraid that, okay, well, he, he's come. The, the king has come and he's come to kill me. And David says to him, do not fear. He says, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. So the first commandment he gives him is do not fear. If you are going to receive from God, this is your first command. Do not fear. Why do you not fear? Because you know you have that covenant with him. You know he has your back. You know he's seeking you out. You know he's trying to come after you because it says in the next verse, I will surely show you kindness. And this is that word hesed again, that word we told you about. This is that that covenant faithfulness that I want to take you, I want to hunt you down and I want to show you good. My goodness is coming to overtake you. My blessing is coming to overtake you. So do not fear so that his overwhelming goodness can overtake you. Because he has covenant with you. Jesus is chasing you down because you have covenant with the Father. Holy Spirit is chasing you down because you have covenant with the Father. Covenant was created on your behalf. And it says, I will restore to you all the land of Saul your of Saul your grandfather, and you shall eat at my table continually. So not only is he going to bring you to a place where you're not at the bottom of the barrel, he's going to restore you to a level of kingship. He's going to restore you to a place higher than the average person. He's going to take you where you are continually eating at the king's table. And I think it's so awesome because he says, not only though am I going to put you at the king's table to eat, I'm also going to give you some possessions and I'm going to give you some people to take care of them. I mean, what an amazing story that is. Mm-hmm. What an amazing restoration that is. And why did he want to do that? Why did he want to take him from the bottom of the barrel and move him to the top? Because that's who he is. That's right. He is the God who takes someone who um, grew up in the trailer park, who grew up with not enough, who grew up struggling to make ends meet, who grew up uneducated, who grew up in um, a lower social class, who grew up in a, in a town of nothingness, who grew up in, um, without every resource being provided to them. But he takes that person who has no natural qualification and he restores them to a level of kingship. The moment you make covenant with Jesus, he restores you to the kingship that was originally meant for mankind. That's why I say restores, because that that is the kingship that was originally meant for mankind. And he restores you to that position. And it's always better than what you can ask or think, right? 
always. Mm-hmm. I think about um, that song, Nobody. I'm just a nobody trying to tell somebody. And it talks about that he took the bottom of the barrel and he made him his inner circle. Mm-hmm. He took a tax collector who was hated by everyone. He was hated by everyone because not only um, he was collecting taxes, but he was literally working for the enemy. Yeah. He was a Jewish man working for the enemy. They hated him. They're like turncoats. Yep. Mm-hmm. And took him and brought him into his inner circle. He took Peter, who obviously had some form of an anger problem, <laughs> and always spoke out of turn and always, always outburst and brought him to his inner circle. Yeah. None of those guys had a stellar resume. Nope. And every single one of them. Look at Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul was... The ultimate enemy of Christians. He was totally murdering those who believed in Jesus. And he wrote almost all that is written to the church of the living God. Mm-hmm. There, There is nothing, no place you've been... Nothing you did that will not restore you to the kingship that God had originally planned for you. There's nothing that will hold you back from every promise that's given to you in the word of God. And just to go back just a little bit, um, I think we were talking about um, the qualified, you know, you you don't feel like you need to get right um, before you go to church. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody, I mean, it's just, I guess it's human nature. I mean, I've, I've been guilty of it. You always feel like you have to prepare before actually moving forward or you have to get better to, to move forward um, in what God has called you to do. But um, he's never um, back with, towards the um, Jesus in his inner circle. Uh, you know, he doesn't, um, you're not called and then you get called or, you're called and then you get qualified um, by God. He's not uh, looking for qualified people. Right. Um, so he's going to call you and then you get what you need as you go. You have the grace to do it. Right. And just and that's also twofold with, with going to church. You don't need to get, you don't have to be a, a you know, a, a choir boy to, to go to yeah, there's no qualifying status to start going to church. No. The only qualifying status to start going to church is that you show up. Mm-hmm. It's important to show up. It's so important to show up. The The truth of the matter is, is if you t- try to change yourself by the power of yourself. You're never going to get there. It's It's never going to be good enough. You must go and receive the word and receive the grace and and learn who he is and how much he loves you. And you will change without any trouble, without any difficulty, I guess is a better word. I shouldn't say any trouble. The enemy, of course, is going to try to come against you. But, but you begin to make changes in your life without even realizing or without even much effort because the love of God is overtaking you like, like David's love of Jonathan overtook Mephibosheth. The love of God is overtaking you so much that you begin to want to change mm-hmm. for him. Yeah, I mean, some of the things that you you do 
you know, on a regular basis, and you're like, oh, I'm never going to give that up. And then one day after you've been searching after God, it's going to, you're going to pick it up and be like, I, I don't really want to do that anymore. It doesn't bring life to me. Absolutely. Um, and, and it will change your language. It'll change, um, the, the activities you do. It may even change, um, your friends, your friends, the way you have fun, the people you spend time with. And you're like, well, I don't want to change all of that. Don't, don't, don't change it. But start going to church and you'll begin to see what I'm, what I'm not telling you to cut all your losses today. I'm not telling you to cut everything out today. I'm telling you to go to church, meet God, mm-hmm. and it'll begin to change your life. When you truly meet God, when you truly know God, you are stepping into the most victorious life you will ever walk into. You're going to see things happen in your life you never thought you would experience. You're going to meet people in your life you never thought you would meet. I want you to know that God has a victorious life for you. So, Father, I thank you for every person who's listened today. I thank you, Lord, that if they've been feeling at the bottom of the barrel, I thank you, Lord, that if they've been feeling um, knocked out of the game, if they've been feeling on underqualified, if they've been feeling like they weren't good enough, if they've been feeling like they've been trying to just achieve an okay status, Father, that they recognize that your covenant kindness, your covenant faithfulness, your hesed is reaching out after them. It's reaching for them and grabbing for them to take them into something greater and something better. It's reaching out to them to restore what you had for them, the lands that you had for them, the plans and the purposes you had for them, to restore that back to their life, and that you are asking them to dine at the king's table. I thank you, Lord, that they see that there is a victorious life being presented to them. And I thank you, Lord, that they are deeper and further and greater into you. Father, I declare over them today, today you are victorious.